Welcome to Remelations. We're your hosts. I'm Mindy. And I'm Brooke. Remelations is a dream interpretation podcast where we read listeners' dreams. From nightmares to the just plain bizarre, join us as we give our comedic interpretation of your fucked up REM cycle. This week is definitely a nightmare dream when I read one of my dreams about a serial killer, cops, and a torture room. Ooh. And we're also talking about sleepwalking murder defenses in the courts. Let's get started. Woo! Hi, Mindy. Well, hey, Brooke. How are you today? Well, we made it through the holiday week, except for we're in that weird week between holidays where it's like no one knows what time it is. Um, yeah, and it snowed like a bitch today. Did it snow there? Yeah, but not. It, we maybe got like an inch. How much did you get? Oh God, I think it was like five inches. Holy crap! Which Why is crazy. Crap. Holy shit! Yeah, holy <laughs> shit! I'm so happy because my dad gave me new winter boots for Christmas. Nice. So I and I only took like a few things home with me when I went. One of them happened to be my boots, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, nice, not, perfect timing. Perfect timing. Not that I'm happy there's snow, but like I don't have any boots, so perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah, it was it was a great holiday. I had a great time. I'm glad you did too. Did and I've been teasing you all week about this dream. I had to tell you that I I had. I've been waiting for so long. So this week I'm reading one of my dreams, but I do want to preface it with it's a bit of a trigger warning. If anything like sexual assault bothers you, you might want to fast forward about 15 minutes till we get to the next segment. Well, let's get started. I'm not going to let you know my keywords because it might give it away a bit. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's just jump right in. It's weird because when we were on vacation, we were really busy leading up to vacation and the holidays. I really did not dream much at all. And I noticed when I get more stressed, I don't dream as much. And so there was probably, yeah, it was probably like a two-week period. I only had like maybe one I remembered. Yeah, that's odd for you. Um, But this was one of them right before the holidays. And maybe it has to do with stress, perhaps. (laughs) I want to preface it with saying I did fall asleep listening to one of my favorite true crime podcasts. And so that might have something to do with how my dream turned out. I love it. So I dreamt I was walking in my childhood neighborhood with a few girls. I also believe there was a few of my daughters with me there at the time. We were leaving a concert and I remember someone playing guitar at the concert. And it was cool. And we were having a good time and we left and we're walking down this street. And I see this creepy looking guy walking down the street towards us Ooh. with a cart full of umbrellas. <laughs> Like, you know, one of those homeless people push those carts with all their stuff in it. I'm well aware. <laughs> yes. And so it was just filled with umbrellas. Um, side note, when I lived in Oak Park, even though there was a laundry room in the basement of my building, it was so creepy. I'd just go to mm-hmm. a laundromat and there was always a guy with a cart trying mm-hmm. to sell me socks. It was just full yep. of socks, different sizes, <laughs> different odd. colors. And he'd, he wouldn't say anything. He would just hold them up. And I'd always be like, No, thank you. Well, that's bizarre because I'm going to go ahead and read the next part. Yes. For some reason, this guy was familiar to me in my dream. Like I saw him in the news or I heard about him in one of my murder shows. And I knew he had a trick to get girls alone to assault them. Oh, my God. So I turned to the girls next to me and I explained what his MO was. His trick was to offer you a free umbrella. (laughs) And if he did, it means you're his next victim. Oh, shit. That's creepy. Yeah, I know. And like, then I also wrote, I don't even know if it was raining. And then I said, it wasn't. So I was kind of confused, <laughs> I guess, in the morning. Just I to guess be it clear, was, just it wasn't. Weird. It wasn't raining. 
also continued to tell these girls, the next thing he'll say to you is, do you want an umbrella? Because I want to see what you look like underneath, like an umbrella when I open it up. What? But I knew underneath meant to see you naked or when your skin was pulled off. Ew! You just knew... <laughs> you just knew that! I just oh, knew it from is... like a newscast or something. Like, this is this guy's thing. He'll ask if you want an umbrella, tell you that he wants to see what's underneath the umbrella, like your body, like underneath the skin. Like, not just you naked, like with your skin peeled skin off, pulled like off. Buffalo yeah. Bill style. <laughs> exactly. As he approaches our group, I hear him offer me an umbrella. Oh, no. I loudly tell him to shove the umbrella up your ass. <laughs> this is why I love you. <laughs> because, you know, like any you're true no crime dummy. lover, I'm just like, you're not going to get me, sir. Mm-mm. I know you're mm-hmm. a Too smart for you. Well, this obviously pissed him off. And he starts running towards us. And we all scatter in different directions. But he chose to follow me, probably because I told him to shove it uh, up his you ass. Were, you had a sass mouth. I did have a sass mouth. <laughs> and I was a little bit faster, but he kept closing on my trail. Like He kept getting closer and closer. He didn't have his cart with him at this point, I guess. He just this is like running. a run. He, You're now yeah, running. Was, yes, running away from oh, him. I hate it. So I get to a covered culvert, you know, like those, um, mm-hmm. like where the trains go over or roads run on top. And I yeah. get there and I stop. And I get my phone out to call 911. Why? I just chose to stop and do this? I do not know in my you dream. You could have that done I that stopped. the whole time you were I running. Have, <laughs> but I just stopped. And I, I tell the 911 operator that the wanted serial killer was chasing me and where I was so they could come capture him. Oh my God. But while I had stopped to make the call, I turn around to see that the killer had caught up to me. No. The cop, yes. The cops arrive and I turn around again to see the killer's hiding. And he's now well, no longer behind me. Oh, no. So I tell the cops who this guy was, the guy with the umbrellas who wants to skin women, I guess. And the You cop- know that guy with the yeah. umbrellas who's skinning women? Yeah, that's you know, the one who's That's the me. one. <laughs> so I tell the cop, but then the cop looks around, he doesn't see this guy, and then he doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm just like making a prank call. Yeah, asshole. Stupid. The cop leaves, and then the killer grabs me, and he has a hold of me, and he walks me to a nearby torture chamber. What? Wait, the cop? All the cops left? Yeah. No, there was just one cop that came. Oh, but they didn't believe you and they just left you and he came back and got you? He came back and got me, yeah. This Mm -hmm. is horrifying. Yes. This was horrifying of a dream. So he takes me to his nearby torture chamber. But it's weird because it's a place I know from my childhood. It's a cement shed by my house. So there's these softball fields by my house where I grew up down this hill. And there was like a cement shed that was kind of backed into like a hill. So if you come down the hill, you can walk on the top of the roof, but it was just kind of like a cement slab. Kind of like a bunker. Yeah, like a bunker. Yeah. So they used to store stuff in there for like softball games and whatever. But it was that exact spot he took me to. Mm. I don't like it, Mindy. I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> and when I was a kid, like we used to spend hours on ends. Me and the other neighborhood kids would just kind of like go up there and play and spend hours just like yeah. hanging out on that roof. So it was sure. like part of my memory. But in my dream, it was this Serial killer's torture chamber, which it's weird because I haven't thought about that place in whatever twenty five years. Up in your dream, it's still in there, Mindy. <laughs> still in the back of my head. And so we get there, and the serial killer opens the door, and I see five to six young boys <gasps> handcuffed and chained to the walls, beaten, bloody, and sodomized. They, some were buried alive, and some couldn't. I couldn't even tell if they were alive or not. What? And then I woke up. That was it. That's how it Holy... ended. Like, yeah. Shit. It was a creepy 
God. Like, wake up in a sweat type of dream. And, like, it probably did it. I know when I have an intense dream like that, like, it affects me for, like, hours. Yeah. Even when I wake up, I'm like, no, I couldn't get, like, that vision out of my head of, like, these boys, like, change the ball. Like, I was going to say, these boys, like, sodomized and tortured. Like, you, you, even though you know in your head it was a dream, like, you can't shake the fact that you still feel those emotions that the dream Mm -hmm. brought. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like me. Maybe that's why my body never lets me to dream because it's so weird and creepy. And my brain's just like, you can't handle this one, Brooke. <laughs> no, no. And I don't, the weird thing is like the umbrella. The yeah, what's umbrella the umbrella thing? got to do with it? I'm curious. I have about no that. idea. If, you know, any of our listeners want to give us a little bit of a interpretation of this dream, please write in to revelations at gmail.com and let us know what you think this means for me. And if it's a good one, we'll read it on our next show. But maybe <laughs> if you can just pick out some bullet points and let us know what you think, <laughs> You're we'll be up. happy no. to discuss them. <laughs> you obviously like murder, Mindy. Weird. But I will tell you, here's a really weird twist to the end of the story. Okay. So as I'm sitting here typing out my dream today, and I look at like Google Maps because I want to figure out, like, I want to see if I can find a picture of this shed because it was very, very yeah. specific where it was. And it's weird looking. And so I go on Google Maps, I go on Google Earth, I try to do historical f- pictures, but just the angle it's at, at least like trees are in the way. But yeah. I did notice that there's this house like close by. So I figured like maybe I can get a street view of this house. Oh, so what I do is I take the address of this house and I type it into Google to see if I could find like a street view. Oh no, is it like a witch? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is a crime that happened there. No, that really, to do I was just with totally kidnapping. joking. I look at this address, and this is the house that this again. This was in my childhood neighborhood. It was between my parents' house and my grandma's house. I walked by it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was recently in 2018. There was a woman who was living there and had called 911 because her boyfriend assaulted her and locked her in the basement for uh, I don't know the duration of time, but she was kidnapped and held against her will. And literally, th- this is an eye shot of the shed I had dreamt about. No. Yeah. Holy shit. So I want to talk about this piece of shit. His name is Jairus, um, and he um, fuck was, you, Jairus. Yes. Um, he was charged with a domestic assault, choking and impeding airflow, punching, kicking, threatened with a knife, and locking her in the basement and sexual assault in 2018. So he's a piece of shit. I'm just gonna reiterate what I said. Fuck you, Jairus. What was that about, like, peating airflow? Peating airflow, because he choked her. Oh, my God. That, like, gave me chills when you said that. Isn't that weird? Like, I how didn't I know there was, like, even... such a specific thing as, like, impeding mm-hmm. airflow. Yeah, he's a 30-year-old guy. Um, he did. I did want to find out how the story ended, because yeah. domestic assault and violence is something um, I really care about getting the word out, and... He ended up um, getting convicted to five years in prison. And unfortunately, it's only five years for kidnapping and trying attempted murder of someone. Um, so that uh, piece of shit took a plea deal and he'll be out and, you know, in a couple of years. But don't you that is wonder? the end of the story. And I just want to state my sources for that. My sources yeah, for that was the Telegraph Herald and KCRG TV. 
It's just so scary because like you see, I mean, we're both true crime buffs, but like you see like maybe someone with a drug charge that gets like 25 years, but then like some asshole like this who strangled someone, sexually assaulted someone, kidnapped someone, held them hostage, gets five years years. and they'll probably walk in what, two and a half? Well, it's been th- almost, he's been three years, so who knows if this piece of shit's Okay, out but now. still, even if it. he serves all five years, is that really enough for someone that is assaulting and strangling and beating and sexually assaulting people? No. And, and so I also right found th- a Facebook uh, group that had talked about this when this guy got arrested. And one of the things that um, someone posted in that as a comment was, well, why didn't she leave? Like, why didn't she leave her abuser? Shut. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. Shut the fuck up. Right. Like, she had a choice. Like, she had a choice. And (sighs) here's even something crazier. So I end up, through some research, um, I actually know this woman, not not very personally, but through groups of people. And I knew she had left an abusive relationship, but I did not know this was her story. And so I did want to share something she shared on her Facebook page a while ago. It says... If you haven't been in an abusive relationship, please don't say you never allow that to happen to you because we thought that too. Thank you. Honestly, thank you because you really don't know what it is until you go through it. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine the torture it is and to be with someone that you thought you loved and for them to have this control over you has to be just a living nightmare and we totally support her and... It's, yeah, and if, and if you horrifying. are a victim of domestic abuse, we just want to give the hotline number here real quick for the National Domestic Abuse Number is 1-800-799-7233 if you're a victim of abuse uh, and you need to reach out. Please don't be afraid to call that number because that's what we're here for. Not we're here for, but that's what they're we're there here to for. support you. We believe you. We believe your we story. We believe you, but they're the experts to help you. So like, please don't hesitate to reach out. I know it's scary. I can't imagine what it's like to be in, in, in your shoes, but please reach out. There are people that care. There are people that support you and there are people there to help you. I found it. Yeah. It was just crazy how my dream took me down this rabbit hole and we ended up um, talking about that. But um, if you have any dreams you want to share with us, we are in need of some listener dreams. And if you write in, we definitely will share it. You can share your dream with us at remelations.com slash share a dream. I'm sure you heard about that um, Hulu documentary about sleepwalking and murder. I have. Yeah. And it. I did want to talk a little bit about like a historical story. I know you and I are both buffs of true crime. Yes. And so I don't know if you ever heard the Terrell murder that happened 1846, which was the first sleepwalking story murder. I haven't. Please tell. I found this information out on murderbygaslight.com, which is an amazing, cool website that it has like old-timey, weird murder. Love it. I know that sounds silly to say love it, but I know. <laughs> if you're a true well, crime buff, you know yes. what I what you know what I mean. I love it. We know what you mean. This story starts with Mary Ann Dunn, and she was born in Bath, Maine in 1846. She was married at 16 to a James Bickford. He was a shoemaker. Nice. Yeah, 16. I'm ready to settle down. Um, 16, I'm ready to settle down if it's a shoemaker. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, back then it was probably like, ooh, that's a nice job. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> but after three years of marriage, her friends convinced her to move to Boston because she liked fashion and she liked, you know, kind of that fast lifestyle. So like, yeah, leave your husband. Fast Come to Boston. <laughs> Come to Boston with us. We're going to go party in Come Boston. Come to Boston and we've got a fast lifestyle here. <laughs> So she did. She's like, see ya. She said goodbye to her husband. It was like, oh, she left her husband? Yeah. She's like, bye. Wow. She's like she 19. She really did want that fast lifestyle. And all the fashion. And all the fashion. <laughs> At that time, she began dating a new man. But then shortly thereafter, he ended up leaving her too. So oh, she turned no. to sex work um, to help kind of pay for her lifestyle and things that she was doing. Oh, her fashion. Yeah, but she was young and attractive, and so a lot of her clientele were very high-end, and they would buy her very nice clothes and nice shoes. So this Mary, she was, like, making it out. She was just like, I'm living my best life. Hey, I got to work. A girl's got to work, but, you know. She's making it work, though. She's making her lifestyle work for her. And anyone that knew her said that she had some fancy wardrobe, and she was just, you know, very attractive, and she was making her way on her own very well. You know, when I think of fashion, I think of Boston. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just being an that was a good one. <laughs> we might have the title of our podcast show <laughs> that might be it <laughs> so after she turned to sex work she uh had met this a gentleman called albert terrell he was 22 years older but was uh Ooh. i think one of our clients to be in with oh a little bit about albert which is uh old-timey name of an asshole it sounds like (laughs) he was born in 1824 and he was married with one child he was actually a son of a shoemaker as well so going back to high class living of that time that must be the key like you have to be a shoemaker to make a good living yeah it it did i get it his his dad was actually a 12-year member of the massachusetts State legislator. So they started dating, even though he was married, okay. and they kind of, you know, hooked up. They be- he was very, very fond of her and, and didn't like her doing sex work, but I'm making a living doing this, so screw you. I'm going to do it anyways. And he was like, okay, fine. <laughs> she so, was an independent lady. She was at the time in the 1800. I mean, come on. She got to make a living. You got to make money. Living. I get it. There's nothing yeah. different with today, actually. She wasn't a shoemaker. I mean, they didn't let women be shoemakers back then. <laughs> How is she gonna He's make a good no living? Louis Vuitton. <laughs> so Albert's, uh, so they, you know, started dating, and then Albert's dad died and left him eight thousand dollar inheritance. Ooh. Which do you want to know what that is? And I was just gonna ask you, what is that in today's dollar? Almost three hundred thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. So the, he kind of nice. came into a windfall of money. Yes. And he got this money. He was spending it on her new wardrobe. He was like. Bought her a house. They were just, you know, living this amazing life. And then within a year and a half, it was all gone. So he kind of tricked her into feeling like she was like into this lifestyle forever. She ended up staying in contact with her first husband, Mary did. And she said that Albert was abusive and he was kind of a piece of shit. And she was thinking of leaving him. And so she did. And they broke up. And then Albert was arrested for adultery, which I guess back then you could be. And because okay. he was still married and dating her and living with her. So like someone ousted him is like, you know, he's still married. Like some of those nosy neighbors, like uh-uh-uh. those nosy neighbors. And so he was arrested. So that brings us to October 26th of 1845. Mary was living in a brothel at the time and Albert was out on bail. And so as Mary finished up with her 
last client of the evening, <laughs> Albert, came and stayed with her the night, according to witnesses. Okay. At 5 a.m., the owners of the brothel heard some arguing, and then they heard someone run down the stairs and out the house. That was Albert, wasn't it? That's what I would think. <laughs> And so he's like, bye. And everyone's like, well, what happened upstairs? Like, why is he leaving? And so they walk into her room only to find there's three separate fires. What? She's dead on her bed with her neck slit from ear to ear, like three inches deep. So clearly she set the yeah, fires. Of course. <laughs> of course. She's like, I'm feeling cold. All this <laughs> blood draining. I'm feeling, feeling cold. A cold. Let's start a couple <laughs> fires. Sorry, that's terrible, but this is a comedy podcast. Get used to it. She was, and they said, nearly decapitated. It was a three-inch cut deep on her neck. So she did not survive. Yeah. Also, the owners of the brothel found in her room a bloody razor at the foot of her bed and some men's clothing. Uh Uh-oh. Was the razor what cut her? I'm guessing it wasn't a shoe. (laughs) I'm guessing it wasn't a shoe, so the other option is the razor. But they said she was, her face was burned, her hair was burned. And so oh, she had jeez. She It was like the scene was trying to be... Um, covered up. Covered up, exactly. Yeah, got it. So our buddy Albert here, this piece of shit Albert, was on the run. And about 5.30, he ended up at a stable, obviously before cars, and uh, told the gentleman that he wanted to go visit Maria, or okay. his father-in-law, of his first wife. And so he needed a horse to travel by. But that okay. wasn't the truth. Instead, he went to Vermont and then up through Montreal, where he stopped and wrote his family a letter saying, I'm going to Liverpool. See you guys soon. Oh, he's just going to go across the pond. See you guys soon. Yeah, I'm just going to get on this boat. Nothing happened in in Boston. Don't look there. Don't don't look. Don't look. I didn't start fires either. (laughs) This was a bad plan. I'm missing a razor, though. Oops. It made it a worse plan because when he got on this boat to go to Liverpool, because of bad weather, this boat had to turn around. So he got dropped back off into New York. (laughs) Which is a fashion capital of the world, unlike Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. And so he's like, damn it. He should have stopped right there. But he was still on the run. I mean, who? if you're not guilty, Mm -hmm. why are you running? So he left New York and booked passage on a boat to New Orleans, and that's when he was greeted by the police. They're like, mm, they you're were not waiting off this for boat. him in New Orleans. Yeah. So word spread. He had tickets on this boat, and they met him there. And this was like about six weeks later. So he was pretty much on the run for six weeks. And that's all the a newspapers. Pretty long time. Yeah. Right. But it took a long time because there was not cars. So I mean, it took a long yeah. time to go on a horse get to Vancouver and then all those places. You know, he was all over. Trying to go to England, ended up in Canada, trying to go to New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. Our favorite. So he ends up getting caught by the police, and the newspapers are like, oh, you know, murder or caught, murder or caught. But because of his high family standing and his dad being in the government, state government, they, his family hired a very high-powered defense team. Of course. And his name was Cahote, and he was a U.S. senator, was the one who was going to represent him. A senator represented well, back, him? Back in the day when you actually law, you, I mean, most senators have law degrees, but they actually right, practice but law actually too. practicing yes. law? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so his, that was his defense team. The, the newspaper got spun from woman murdered to evil seductress who took advantage of poor Albert. That tracks. The PR on that was very good for Albert, but not so much for our friend Mary, who just 
didn't want to be with this guy because he was a dick. Got her throat annihilated, but you know, she's the bad guy in this story. She's the bad guy. And you'll see that more. The trial begins on March 24th. Witnesses are brought to testify, it's like some of the other boarders at the house mm-hmm. and the owners of the brothel, that Albert had spent the night that night. And so it was pretty sure to them that no one else was in the room when she got mm-hmm. murdered. The fires were started. <laughs> right, that too. But the defense came back and said, you know, these are questionable type of people that run a questionable business, so we should probably not believe them, is what he told the jury. Oh, my God. And then they also had a friend of Albert's come up and say, Albert was a good and upstanding man until he met this harlot. Oh, my God. She's a charlatan. I know. What (laughs) a naughty woman for wanting to free herself in the 1850s. What a hussy. So although they tried to prove it was him, it kind of came down to that there was no concrete evidence he did it because he was not in the room and he was gone and he had left that he was the one who started the fires and murdered poor Mary. Okay, then who did it? That's what bugs me about this case. So the defense didn't say that someone else possibly could have done it. Their two options were, one, it was suicide. Because suicide was the natural death of a prostitute. Taking that verbatim, that's what they called him in the day. Okay, yep. Or two, it was sleepwalking. Because Albert (gasps) had quite the history of sleepwalking, according to his best friends and people who believed him. Okay, now we're on to something here. So they brought his cousin onto the stand, and he said as recent as September of that year, Albert had pulled him out of bed and pulled a knife on him. What? And he looked like he was sleeping, so it probably was sleep. sleep oh, well, here. that has to yeah. be the reason. No, not that he drank too much and he was being a dick to his cousin. It was the fact that he was probably sleeping when that happened, because my cousin probably wouldn't Because he looked that. like it. He looked like he was asleep. I don't know how that looks. So, of course, his cousin said, he sleepwalks. It it's totally happens all the time. It's normal. You pulled a knife on me. But other than that, he's totally a cool guy when he totally sleepwalks. Totally good. Totally Totally cool. The trial ends on March 28th, and this judge, I'm going to be judgy of the judge here. (laughs) This judge is, my opinion, trying to uh, sway the jury because he speaks for an hour and a half at the jury before they go off to deliberate. An hour and a half? Yes. You know, normally it's like, okay, you know the rules and you have to go do your thing. This judge reminded the jury of the type of lifestyle that Mary had and her behavior in her world and what she did as a living. He also said to the jury that sleepwalking is a form of insanity. <sighs> then I guess I'm insane. <laughs> it only took the jury two hours to come to a conclusion of this trial, and that was not guilty. What? And the courtroom applauded. Not guilty? Not guilty. Wow. Yes. So that was the first known sleepwalking Sleepwalking defense defense. that someone got away with murder, it sounds like to me, because who else the fuck did it in that room that night? Albert. Looking at you. Albert. Albie. So there's one more charge against Albert, which was for the arson. Right. The three different fires. The three fires in the room. But he was also acquitted on those as well, using the same defense that he was probably sleepwalking. Yeah, that happens. So Albert, yeah, was the first successful, I'd say, sleepwalking Yeah, because defense. he got acquitted. He not guilty. But here's the sad thing. You know, poor Mary, who's for no reason needed her life taken from her, no matter what line of work she was in. No. 
blows my mind. You know, I mean, obviously at that time, they're looking down on these women who are living that type of lifestyle, but her life meant nothing to these jurors or to this judge. Nothing. Nothing. And the fact that she was almost decapitated meant nothing. Nothing. Like, that like, is a first of all, you can't do that death. to yourself and That's start fires at the same time. Violent death and to start fires. Like, and they also said he had no reason to. Okay, Let's back it up here. I would say jealousy is a huge ass reason to kill someone and start fires. I and smell she left him. motive, <laughs> but the jurors did not see motive, and so got away with it. Wow. piece of shit. That's yeah. unfortunate. And it's not been the only sleepwalking defense. There's been plenty no. since then. As far as I know, some have actually been acquitted successfully and some have been charged successfully. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a crapshoot whether this defense is actually legit or not. Now, have you heard of the the Parks one that happened in 1987? No. This was the one where the guy drove his car 20 kilometers, which I don't know how far that is in miles. And Let's just say 20 his, miles. Say 20 miles. <laughs> uh, and bludgeoned his mother-in-law to death. Claiming what? he was sleepwalking at the time. You mean sleep yeah. driving? Sleep driving. And he ended up driving himself to the police station afterwards and admitting it. He was also acquitted of charges in 1987 for this. What state and was that in? Do you remember? Yeah. So the, the one I was just speaking of um, took place in Pinkering, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we um, are in Canada. We are in Canada. So yeah, and we even went to the Supreme Court whether the condition of sleepwalking could be classified as an insane automasm or if it should be classified as a disease of the mind, as a Mm -hmm. mental disorder. But they wanted the verdict as um, not guilty for reason of insanity. But I'm sorry. I don't know I could drive a car and be asleep. I mean... I have taken Ambien in my life. Mm-hmm. And yes, I may have put together a dresser when I was on Ambien, but I never drove and bludgeoned someone as no. far as I know. No. <laughs> so there's lots of fascinating cases about this. So one of the things we want to talk about today is a recent Hulu documentary that came out called Dead Asleep. Mm-hmm. which is about sleepwalking defense. And this story is about Brooke Preston, who was murdered by uh, one of her, what she they considered a friend at the time, and roommate, Randy. We want to talk about this with a little bit of delicacy uh, because it is something out there that people are watching and it, it falls into the realm of what we talk about in this podcast. Brooke's sister, Jordan, has a TikTok account and you can see her on there. And one of the things we want to mention is the family didn't give their consent to have this documentary being mm-hmm. released. And they actually tried to contact Hulu and to get them to stop and not release it because they felt that it was concentrating on the fact that it was a defense of sleepwalking and it didn't really tell the story of Brooke and who she was and that the fact that she was murdered, it was more of an excuse of why he murdered Brooke. Yeah, I totally see that. It didn't, I mean, they talked about what kind of person she was and that she was jovial and just like kind of a fun person, loving, light, kind of just the life of the party. I heard the story that on her sister's TikTok that her sister was driving in Florida and accidentally ran over a turtle and was so hysterically crying because she felt so bad for this turtle, like a sister would, videotaped it and was just laughing at her for caring about this turtle. But her sister said, you know, that was the person she was. She just cared for everything and everyone. And it was just something that broke my heart to see that. 
Maybe it's a Brooke thing, but like I'm hysterical about the struggle <laughs> already too. I I don't like anything like that, but yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. If you want to check out what the Preston family has to say, go ahead and check out TikTok. We'll put the link in our show notes. There's also a petition yeah. on change.org for Hulu to take down actually this uh, documentary because they want to be able to equally share their side of the story and not just that sleepwalking defense. So we'll put that link right. in our show notes if you want to check that out and sign the petition. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this Hulu documentary for a bit? Yeah, just a bit. Well, let's explain to our listeners if they yes. haven't heard what this is. Okay. It was roommates. There were two girls that were sisters and a guy, and they had known each other all growing up. Brooke Preston and Jordan Preston are the sisters. Oh, yes. Brooke, unfortunately, is the one that got murdered. Um, They were from Pennsylvania, but all three moved to Florida, West Palm Beach, Mm -hmm. and they lived together. And there does not seem to be, by any means, any kind of sexual indiscretion or even like a crush or anything like these were sisters to him it seemed right like. and they they lived only there six months it was not a very long time from no, what it i wasn't I researched but what i found interesting about this case was that the sister actually testified on the defense side let me clarify something on that. oh please and i agree when i saw the documentary i was like that's interesting but According to her TikTok account, which you can Google and find, uh, she was subpoenaed by the defense, and she didn't have a choice but to testify oh. for the defense um, okay. at the trial. Yep. And okay. she uh, she had – the questions asked were regarding if there was any kind of sexual motive before this had happened, and she answered truthfully as she said, like, I did yep. not think that at the time. Right. Which is – which is good to know because, like, there are certain things that are considered motives. And if it's not, like, that he had a crush on her or any kind of sexual inclination toward her, what is the motive? Because it definitely wasn't financial. There was ne- definitely no motive if even the sister testifies. Like, even she said, they're like, he was like a brother to me. And even from jail, he's saying they were like sisters to me. Mm-hmm. And I just found it very interesting because, God, I want to say it was like, besides his alcohol drinking, it was like 12 of the 13 criteria for sleepwalking, this this Bacala defense or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and with trauma and brain health issues. And it, it was just really fascinating. I kept going back and forth because the thing that got me was the whole timeline. Like, did he have yeah. enough time to actually fall back asleep to be in enough of a deep sleep? to commit this sleepwalking murder. The timeline is also kind of contradicted by the doctor in the case who was like, maybe he never woke up at all. Like he, the interaction was he, he was asleep. She came home. She was moving out. She went to say goodbye. He went to give her a t-shirt and they talked and then he fell back asleep and then she, he woke up over her murdered, but there's Mm -hmm. now, but there's this a video surveillance, which it puts it pretty much he had like a 10, 15 minute window yeah, to do this. Yeah, it's a very tight window. Very yeah. tight window. I I am I struggle with this because if you go by the timeline, yes, he did it. He was awake. He couldn't have enough time to go back to sleep and um, get into a deep enough sleep to sleepwalk and kill her. But then the doctor made the note that. Maybe he was dreaming that interaction with Brooke when mm-hmm. she got home. Maybe he was never actually even awake. 
So maybe he never had to wake up and fall back asleep. So he could have just been sleepwalking and imagining this the whole time. And they kind of said that people who go through this try to kind of make logic of it. So it was it was a very interesting story because it was like, was he asleep? I think the part that is most concerning to me is that leading up to the day before, he was so hungover because they were drinking all day. And he, witnesses say he probably drank a 30-pack. Yeah. And in his interview from the jail from that documentary he said and drugs which i tried to look into to see if it was they possible didn't mention what kind of drugs they though. didn't mention and from my research i couldn't find what kind of drugs but he admitted to that on the interview at least yeah so i mean there are some drugs that can completely make you rage and oh yeah or you know even black out and not know where you are of course there are some that make a more aggressive behavior that's out of characteristic for yourself and everyone did kind of side with him in that, like, he wasn't an aggressive person. He was kind of a meek, mild, kind of shy guy. But, like, when alcohol was involved, he'd kind of be mm-hmm. the life of the party. I and mean, also, what I thought it was interesting they brought up is his dad had murdered his girlfriend two years year right? earlier. And he had to go clean up the house that he this happened clean- in? Because, what? no, no, his dad killed his girlfriend, but then his dad killed himself and he had to go clean up the blood the carpet the walls can you imagine i mean that's gonna mentally take a toll on you even the randy's mom had said you know we knew he slept walk but we couldn't afford to get him help with it mentally or whatever and i think that's there's no question here that he did it there's no question in my mind that this guy committed he admitted it though too he did say i did it but does sleepwalking give you a defense of insanity or get, should give you less of a reason to be in jail and rot the rest of your life. Right. I Ugh. mean, no, it's a really tricky situation. It really is. Talking about it earlier, but that there was a doctor, I want to say Bokola, Bakula, um, who had 13 criteria basically for people who sleepwalk. And if they have these 13 criteria, then it's kind of like legit. And one of them is not admitting fault, like mm-hmm. just, turning yourself in, like no memory of it. So I wonder if this Dr. Bacala has, you know, something more to back up than like just this one case that Hulu has presented us. Like, maybe it's a legit thing. Like these 13 criteria had to come out of somewhere. I feel like the documentary showed the jury, I don't think was out very long. It didn't Mm -mm. seem like like less like the same right. day, I feel like the jury came back and he was convicted yes. of first degree murder. So even though his defense didn't work and he was convicted, there is still the need to have both sides of the story Correct. told. So, yeah, please check out what the Prestons have to say. He did try to appeal that conviction, um, but his appeal was denied. So he does remain yeah, in jail. It was. So he he was sentenced to life in prison in Florida. As you should be. Yeah. Stop murdering people. <laughs> Especially good, sweet people like Brooke. Named Brooke. Brooke. Don't kill or any Mindy's Brooks. Place. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is um, an interesting documentary if you just watch it for the material of it, because it does kind of go through how, um, depending on the state you're in, they might allow a defense like that. But this one in Florida was not something that they had ever had a precedent for, but other states did have precedents where people were let off on sleepwalking defense charges for murder. Um, have you ever slept walk? 
Ooh, no, but I do I do have a good story. So Let's my ex used to sleepwalk a lot. No way. When he would drink a lot, sleepwalk and then piss in weird places of the house. Yes. No, he's like marking yes, his um, Sometimes I'd find him in the closet. I would wake up to the sound of peeing hitting an object that was not the toilet. Um, sometimes oh in the closet, God. the best time was his nightstand drawer. Wow, he just opened it and peed right in it? Yeah, so I'm pretty lucky I was not murdered, I think. I know for a fact you're lucky. Because he you would probably murdered. be the one to use that I defense. I always said, Mindy, you're going to end up on Dateline. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, let me help I you. Did. And life's much better now. But um, not me personally, but I had have had that experience of someone next to me. Well, I have not murdered anyone that I'm aware of, but I did sleepwalk as a child, but I, I did grow out of it. But I wasn't as bad as my brother. My brother was a big mm. sleepwalker. But I remember my mom one time was like, I woke up and you were just like standing over me, staring at me. I'm like, how creepy is that? Oh, my kids have done that a lot. And it does happen a lot in kids. I it does think. happen. And um, but like my brother used to like sleepwalk all the time. Like when we'd be on vacation, like one time he sleptwalked out of the hotel room like oh god i don't know where he went in the hotel but he didn't have a key so he ended up having to like knock on the door because he had walk right out of the door oh god um, one time experience. we found him like just sitting in the bathtub like he would sleepwalk all the time but does he still it, sleepwalk no i don't think he does still sleepwalk anything else on sleepwalking no, I just think it's very fascinating. Sleepwalking is so I think it's interesting state to state what they allow and what constitutes as, you know, criminally insane or incapacitated or what have you. So it it's it's just a very interesting concept um crimes while you sleepwalk. Yes. And if any of our listeners have ever sleep sleepwalked, sleepwalked, Sl- sleep slept, sleep slept, sleepwalked. Walked, <laughs> walked while you slept. You can share your story with us at revelations at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any sleepwalking stories. If you woke up in a weird place, if you had someone sleepwalk that you tried to wake up, it's... Yes, anything, please share. Yes, and just make sure to tell one of your besties, one friend, someone you know, a relative, just share our website with one other person you know so that we can continue to keep this show going and talk about you... And your dreams. We love you. We do. Thank you. So did you have, is it the boots, was that your favorite Christmas gift or? No, I mean, no, it's like getting socks or underwear. It's <laughs> utilitarian. Yes. I mean, if we're going to go for like really heartfelt gifts, my brother Brett got me a record player. And it's so funny oh, because old like. school. Yeah, like totally old school. Like he's recently got into albums. Mm-hmm. My other friend, Chad, my friend Ambrosia, like they've all gotten back into like albums, like records. Yeah. It's making a comeback. I'm the only Yahoo that doesn't have one. So it was so cool what he got me. I've never seen anything like it. It's a record player, but you hang it on the wall like art, but it's got mm. a magnet on it somehow. So you can still play actual records on it. Oh my it. God, that's so cool. It's so cool. And if you're not like into actual records, like it can still be connected as like a Bluetooth like stereo. It's awesome. He also got me two records to go with it. And then I kind of like destroyed my parents' old record collection as soon as I got it. I'm like, have you guys listened to this? 
have you guys, and I know they haven't <laughs> listened to a record since 1982. Yeah. Uh-huh. So my dad's like, take whatever you want. So now I'm going nice. to like start my record collection. <laughs> like what year is this? We've become so our parents. This is bizarre. Like my I dad know, had a ton. I love it though. Did you, did you have a favorite gift? Well, I did have, I did comment on um, our social that I did get these amazing pajamas, which I'm wearing tonight. No, which I love are, those. Um, celestial pajamas. But here's, here's the crazy thing. So I, if, did you see my post on social media? I, I Twittered it and I Instagram. I tweeted it. I tweeted you it. Twittered I Instagrammed it? <laughs> it. I Twittered it. I put it everywhere. But here's the crazy thing. So yeah. I I said, like, you know, my awesome husband got me these new pajamas are perfect for our dream interpretation podcast. Yes. And I tagged Victoria's Secrets in it. And guess who retweeted and responded to us? No. Victoria's Secret replied. No. Those are dreamy PJs. Enjoy and happy podcasting. <laughs> no it's crazy way way are you serious it's right here it's i right can't here. top that thank you vs that's amazing oh, and they're really comfortable and they look amazing they do look super comfy and they're super cute too i'm not so that lie. was my exciting news the one that my daughter wanted to come down here and sneak um, and tell you <laughs> that's extremely exciting we have like 10.5 million followers so you know maybe we'll get a couple extra listeners Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? Either way, I feel loved. I feel loved and I feel like I know Victoria's secret. Do you know her secret? (laughs) I know her secret. She's really into dreams. She's really into dreams and comfortability. (laughs) Yes. Of course, I also got some amazing gifts, thoughtful gifts for my daughters and the kids. Of course. So thank you so much, Mindy, for sharing your amazing dream and your research on sleepwalking. Please remember to submit your dreams at revelations.com slash share a dream. We can't wait to hear from you next week when we read some more listener dreams. And until then, sweet sweet dreams, dreams, bitches. bitches.